the book of Ephesians. The first part of the book talks about what God did when he saved you. Um, and there's a whole bunch of stuff. Chapter 1 deals with a, a bunch of what we're going to touch on again this morning. Chapter 2 talks about the idea that you were saved by grace through faith, that God, um, in his grace and his mercy, reached out and offered you salvation. It's just like a Christmas present. Um, it's offered to you, but you have to accept it. Um, just because I wrap up a present for my wife at Christmas time and put her name on it and put it under a tree doesn't mean it's hers until she takes it and she opens it and she makes it her own. Until then, it's just a gift. And so it's an important part of salvation that we receive that, that we accept that our, on our own. And that's what Ephesians chapter 2 talks about. Chapter 3 talks about why difficult things happen to God's people. And uh, Paul's in prison. He's a good guy. He's trying to do what's right. He's trying to serve God. And all of a sudden, he's in prison. And uh, not in prison for doing something wrong. He's in prison for serving the Lord. And, and, and he addresses that. He says, look, that's okay. God's not doing something to me. God is doing something for me and in me and through me. And, and because I'm in prison, there's a lot of benefits that are coming out of it, even for your sake. So don't feel bad for me. It's okay that this bad thing, this difficult thing has happened in my life. Chapter 4, and that's kind of where we are today, Paul starts with this idea of God intends for you to grow. Um, God didn't save you so you could just sit and soak on a log. God saved you so that you could be a part of what he wants to do in and through this world through Christians. And so not only, we talked about this, not only did he save you, but he also gifted you. He gave you a unique gift to fit somewhere in the kingdom of God and We've got a sheet back there. You go online and you can take it. And I also have a paper version um, that, that we can get to you so you can find out what your gifts are, how God has gifted you, and then you can figure out a way to use them. Last week, we talked about this idea that God expects us to be different. And we're going to pick that up this morning, and we're going to deal with the principle this morning. And then in the next three to four weeks after this, we're going to be looking at some very specific issues on this is the way the world is, this is the way we should be. This is the way the world is, this is the way we should be. This is the way the world is, this is the way we should be. And we're going to look at some very, very specific things. But before we get there, I want to spend time this morning making sure we understand two very important principles that are talked about in Ephesians chapter 4. So, with that in mind, I'm going to, I'm going to start where we started last week, I'm going to skip the middle part of what we talked about last week, and I'm going to pick up the next passage. So, Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Here's where he starts. He said, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. We talked about this last week. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. We talked about how the Gentiles think and how the world thinks and how the world is and that we're to be different is what Paul said. Now he gets into the specifics. And, then, and, and we talked about all that last week. This morning we're going to pick it up then where we left off last week. And here's what he says in verse uh, 20 or 22, what is it, guys? Uh, throw this up. Uh, throw up my next one. Uh, 20, okay. Don't live like the Gentiles do. And then we talked about what all of that meant. Not in the way, it's not the way you, of life you learned. Paul said, okay, look. You don't live like the Gentiles, and we explained all that last week. That's not what you learned. Paul said, I lived with you guys. I showed you how to live. That, you didn't learn from me 
how to live like the Gentiles do. And he goes on. And you heard about Christ. He said, when, when I sat there and taught you, I didn't teach you how to do it the way the world does it. I taught you how to do it differently. Chapter 1, he says, you know, I taught you that you were adopted and, and, and that God adopted you, that God chose you, that God made you his family, that God saved you and poured out his blessing upon you, that Jesus Christ redeemed you and forgave you. Jesus Christ poured out his blessing upon you. The Holy Spirit helps you to understand the word of God. The Holy Spirit sealed you and made you his own. And that's only the first 13 verses of chapter 1. Paul said, that's what you've heard from me. You didn't hear to do it the way the world does it. You heard from me, and you saw in me a way to do it different. And then <clears throat> Paul does something that is unbelievable in this book. Notice what he says. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth. Now, again, that doesn't mean a lot to us, but remember, in, in this time in history, these people were not, for the most part, known as Christians. They were called people of the way. And the reason they were called people of the way is because they believed that Jesus Christ was the only way to God. Like Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way. What's the word? The truth. I am the way, the truth. So Paul's writing these people of the way going, hey, not only are you people of the way, you're people of truth. You're people of truth. We're going to pick this up again next week. But he said, you're people of truth. And then notice what he goes on to say. That, oh, no, go back, guys. Go back. Go back. That is in, what's the next word? Okay, here's what you need to realize. This is the only time in the book of Ephesians that Jesus is used by himself. He doesn't say Jesus Christ, and he doesn't say that you learned in Christ, which is a big theme in the book. He uses the word Jesus, and here's why. Paul is emphasizing this idea that Jesus was a historically real person. And what Paul is saying here is, you need to walk, you need to mature, you need to grow, you need to be like Jesus. The historical real Jesus, you need to be like him. And Paul's saying, not like the Gentiles, Jesus Christ, you, you, you saw me, I came and I taught you. You heard from me, I've taught you. Jesus walked on this earth, he showed you, he taught you how to do it. That's what you need to be. And then he's going to go into a thing and he's going to give you three ideas here. Three things that he's going to talk about and the idea of put off, renew, and put on. Okay, um, So let's jump next verse, here's what he says. To be made, oh, uh, go back one, guys. Did I skip it? Oh, there, verse 22 is not up there. Oh, okay. Uh, put off. Here's what verse 22 says. Um, I somehow missed that in my notes. So here's what he says. As you were retaught with regard to your former way of life, that you put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desire. Paul said, look. You need to put off some things. He said, you need to put off your old man. Um, he assumed that when you got saved, there's still that old part of you that you, likes to do things the way it used to do things. Right or wrong? Yeah. And Paul says, he gives us some characteristics about that old man. He said, it, 
is full of deceitful desires. We're talking about this in Sunday school right now. But here's the thing. The old man, the way you were before you became a Christian, the old man deceives you. The old man makes you desire things that the old man says these will satisfy. They don't satisfy. The old man tricks you into thinking, if you get that, you will be happy. That doesn't provide happiness. That just provides wanting something more. And Paul says, you have to learn to put that man off. You have to learn to put that man off. And then the next thing he goes into, I'm sorry, now we're at verse 23. He says this, uh, go to the next one, guys. To be made new in the add to your mind. He says, okay, so first step, put stuff off. Second step, change the way you think. See, your old man thinks a certain way. The way you, before you became a Christian, you thought a certain way. It was all about you, wasn't it? Wasn't it? It wasn't about what God wanted for your life. You didn't, you, it wasn't about coming to church on a Sunday. Why? Because it was about you. It was about, you know, I can spend my time a whole lot better. It was about you. And Paul said, so <clears throat> you put off the old man. You change the way you think. You renew you, and by the way, the idea here in the, in the Greek language, the idea here is this is something you do continually. This is something that you continually work on your thinking, because here's why. You and I are surrounded every day by a world that tries to get us to think a certain way. Right? You know, have you, I love McDonald's. If you know me, I love McDonald's. You remember what McDonald's slogan was for years? Huh? Anybody remember? You deserve a break. Really? Really? I mean, just think about that for a second. Really? You deserve a break? You want to know biblically what you deserve? You don't deserve a break. You earn a break. And some of you union guys are having a really hard time right now. Okay? And I'm, oh, no, no, the union says I get it. That's a whole other issue biblically. But you need to wrestle through that one too. Uh, but, I mean, this whole idea, you follow what I'm saying? We have to change our thinking. Just because the world says it's this way, we have to go back and say, no, what does God say about that? You know, are you ready for this? Guys, this is really going to rattle your cages if you're married. The world says you can't understand a woman. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to be in trouble now. Oh, man, you should have just been quiet. Oh, no, no, no. You know what? You know, you know what Scripture says? Your command, men, is to dwell with her according to knowledge. You know what that means? That means it's your job to understand her. In fact, not only does the Bible go there, the Bible takes it even one step further than that, and it says, if you don't do that, God won't listen to your prayers. (laughs) 
I got guys who are getting really uncomfortable right now. Don't worry, you know. Um, but, I mean, really, let's be honest. If we're going to be biblical, if we're going to say we're going to do what God wants us to do, then we don't, think what, we don't think what the world tells us to think. We go back and say, what does the Bible say? You know? That I'm supposed to figure my wife out, and I'm supposed to do the best that I can to meet her needs after figuring her out. And the world will tell you that's not even possible. But I'm here to tell you it is. I'm here to tell you it is. And that's so important for us to understand that we have to change the way we think about this stuff. And then he goes on to say there, <clears throat> and to put on the new self, created like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul said, okay, you put off, you change your thinking about stuff, you bring your thinking in line with what God says, and then you put something on. Now, this idea of put off, put on, it's, it's really simple, okay? You all did it already this morning, and you're going to do it probably at least one more time today, if not two or three times today, okay? This morning, I put off what I had on, and I put this on. I'm going to go home, and as fast as I can, I'm taking this off. And because we're going to a trunk or treat today at the 185th, and my granddaughter has decided that she loves M&M's. And she, her outfit is a Lello M&M. She's a Lello M&M this year. I am going to be an orange M&M. I just bought the shirt. I'm not doing the whole thing. My wife is going to be green, blue M&M, and Aaron's going to be a green M&M. Okay. So we're going to be, there will be a picture of all four of us as M&M's. Now, I'm going to take that off very quickly. And then I'm going to put on my work-in-the-house kind of clothes. I'm going to be spending all day putting off one, putting on something else. That's what we're talking about here. Okay? I'm not going to go home and simply put another shirt on over top of this. And then put on something else when I get home from that. Because what happens? You start getting enough layers and you can't move. You can't function. And so Paul says, look, you put off, you put on. Put off, change your thinking, put on. That's the process. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to look at some very, very specific things. Because when Paul does this, he drills it down and he says, okay, let's talk practical. This is how the world does it. This is how you need to do it. This is how the world does it. This is how you need to do it. And we're going to dive into all of those practical kinds of things, okay? But this morning, what I want us to lay out is this principle of put off, put on, okay? But with a caveat, with a big parenthesis around this, okay? It is really important that you add the put on and not just the put off, okay? There's an odd passage in Matthew chapter 12, and Jesus teaches this, and it it's in context of talking about the end times and false prophets and everything else. Jesus tells us a really weird story. Okay? And I, want, I want to read it. Matthew chapter 12. Here's what it says. It says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through places seeking rest and he does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house that I left. When it arrives, it found the house unoccupied, swept and clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and dwell there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That's how it will be with this wicked generation. 
Now, we're not sure what all of this means, wicked spirits and the spirit world and all that kind of thing, but here's the principle. And this is a very important principle whenever we're dealing with put off, put on. It's a principle of replacement. When you take something out, you put something in its place, right? This passage teaches that what happens is this guy had a wicked spirit, whatever that means, okay? And he got rid of it. So whatever it was in his life that was all bad and stuff like that, he got rid of it completely, cleaned up his life, got everything in order, got everything all nice and neat, but he didn't put anything in its place. That wicked spirit, whatever it was, went out trying to find some place to live, couldn't find a place to live, finally came back and goes, hey, this is empty. There's nothing here. So that wicked spirit goes out and gets seven spirits worse than himself or itself. It comes back, and now eight spirits live in there, and the, the end condition is worse than the first condition. It's a principle of replacement. When you take something out, you have to replace it with something. If you don't, you get yourself in trouble. And in some cases, it can make be worse than getting rid of it in the first place. That's the principle. Okay? Um, so let's talk about takeaways this week for us and, and, and how we got it and, and how we go. First thing, there are things some of you just need to get rid of. You just need to put them on. And I know how hard it is to get rid of stuff. Okay? I am a closet hoarder. Okay? I, I, all, it's all organized. All my stuff is organized. Okay? But I really have a hard time throwing stuff away. Okay? I, I really do. Because to me, it's like, oh, I, might, I might need that like 30 years from now. Um, and this happened yesterday. My wife, I'm in the office working. My wife comes in. She's cleaning the porch. Right? And she's cleaning the porch. And I have two bears, two stuffed bears on the porch. 30 years ago, uh, my grandmother was sick, and so I bought two stuffed bears, a, a boy bear and a girl bear, and I gave my grandmother the girl bear. And I said, this lets you know I'm praying for you and I'm remembering you and that kind of thing. I've got one bear, you've got the other bear. They're apart, but that's okay. They're still connected. When she passed away, I got the bear back, okay? And for a long time, it sat in our dining room. And then I moved out the porch. It's been out on the porch for, I don't know, how many years? I don't know, like 10 years, okay. 20 years, whatever. Been out the porch a long time. And my wife's cleaning up the porch, and she's going, hey, can I get rid of these? Now, I don't need the bear to remember my grandmother, okay? <sighs> but I looked at my wife, and I said, I don't know if I can get rid of the bears yet or not. I said, can we put them downstairs? Now, in our house, here's the way it works. When it gets downstairs, it's pretty much out the door, okay? It's just, we're not... I'm not quite ready to push it all the way out the door. But it has made it that far, okay? And finally, I looked at my wife, and I said, honey, I said, look. I said, let's put it downstairs. I said, because in 30 years, I said, there'll be antiques. <laughs> and I said, then we sell them, make some money, rather than just throwing them away right now. Because I have a hard time letting go of stuff, okay? I, I acknowledge it. But here's what I've learned, or what I'm learning, you've got to get rid of stuff. You've got to let stuff go. And there are some of you that are hanging on to things that here's the reality. It's not helping you. 
In Hebrews chapter 12, when, when the writer talks about running the Christian race, he talks about laying aside the sin. So there are some things in life that are sin for you, you need to get rid of. But then he takes it one step further and he says, there are some things that are weights. They're not really bad for you, they're just slowing you down. And I think when we look at our life, we have to step back and be honest with ourselves and say, okay, what is it in my life that I need to get rid of? It may not necessarily be something that's wrong, but it's slowing you down. It is hindering your life right now. And you need to let it go. I feel like I, I should break out in a Frozen song right now. But, I mean, you know, you need to let it go. You really do. And that's the putting off of stuff. And Paul says, look, there are some things that you're doing in your marriage right now that are not helpful, and you need to let it go. You put it off. There are things you're doing in your business right now that you need to put off. You need to just go, you know what, we, this has been how we've been doing it, we're not going to do it this way anymore. There are things in your personal world that may not be bad, they may not be, they're not sin, but you know what, they're not helping you. They're consuming way too much time, way too many resources, way too much energy. That's not really helping you. But you've just done it for so long, you're just used to doing it. And one of the things that Paul talks about here is the idea of put off. Get rid of it. Put it aside. Then he talks about the idea of changing your thinking. And some of you, this is what you need to do. You really need to step back and go, you know what? How do I look at this from a biblical perspective? What does God say about my time? What does God say about me in whatever role you have? Those of you who are parents. I forget what the world says about being a parent. What does the Bible say about being a parent? All right. What's your role? What are you supposed to do? You know, I, I deal with so many parents that part of the thing is they have such a hard time when their kids start to go out on their own because they've held on so tight. And from day one, if you haven't figured this out yet, from day one, parenting is a process of learning to let go. From the time that baby is separated from your body, it's a process of learning to let go. It's a, it's a process of when, you know, it's a process of letting them eventually go to the bathroom on their own. Eventually, yeah, parents who are in diapers, who got kids in diapers, go, no, yes, oh, I cannot wait for that day. <laughs> it's a process of laying, it's a process of dropping them off at daycare or dropping them off at school for the first time. It's the process of when they go on that first date and they're 30. It's that process of letting them drive the car out of the driveway without you in it. It's a process of watching them finish their schooling. It's a process of letting them, helping them as they get in their first apartment or their first house or buy their first car. And they get further and further and further and further and further away from it. The whole goal for us, the whole goal for us was to get our kids on our own. It was a whole process of letting go. You know, and for those of you that have daughters, and you have to give them away to some gorilla at some point, 
go, you know, I'm going to let him be, you know, her main person. <laughs> you know, God bless you. That's why God gave me two boys. Um, because I, there's no, there's no guy ever that would, you know, this could be hard enough. I mean, poor Claire. I mean, we all own guns, you know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you know, we all own guns, so that poor guy. But I mean, honestly, I mean, it's a process of learning to let go. Biblically, you've got to change the way you think. Grandparents, listen to me. The Bible has plenty to say about the role of grandparents in the lives of your grandchildren. And it does not say just feed them candy and make them happy. You know, yeah, sorry to a point. But I mean, you know, really, you know, you, you, you have a role. And we've got to stop. You have a way that if you're a business owner, the Bible's very clear about how you should do business. The world has its way. That's not the Bible way. Like you talked about last week, you've got to change. You're, you're going to do it different. We have to step back and sit back and go, okay, how do I need to change my thinking? I put something off, I change my thinking, and then the principle of replacement the principle here of put off, put on, then you change. You put something in its place. How many of you have ever cleaned out a closet? Hmm? Now, anybody here ever cleaned out a closet and put nothing back in it? Hey, Because what happens when you do that? You ever clean something out and not put anything back in, in its place so that it's empty? Well, I have, and I'm going to tell you what happened. It's where all the junk goes. See, you put all the junk there, you know, and then, by the way, and then what happens? You get so much junk, you can't even find the junk that you actually said that you needed. Okay, full disclosure, I live on a little farm area. I have my pile. And the other day, I went to try to find something, but you know what? The pile's too big because I put too much junk there. So at some point, I've got to start cleaning stuff off. To put stuff back to where it goes so I know where I can get to it. We all do that. And yet Paul says this. Put off. Change your thinking. Put on. Principle of replacement. Matthew chapter 12. Great. You're going to get rid of that thing in your life? Awesome. Change your thinking about it? Great. But you better put something in its place. You know? And I always get nervous when I get in this area because we have, like, professional people who deal with this. And so I'm, like, in the different... Look, you want to change your health? You know, a lot of people do that. I'm going to stop eating this. Okay. Great. I'm going to change my thinking about it. Awesome. But if you don't put something in its place, what happens? You, you get hungry, and the next thing you know, what are you eating? You know, Ding-dongs and hoes. I mean, you know, the next thing you know. And then you're like, well, I don't understand why it's not working. Well, because you've got, if you're going to take unhealthy stuff out and change your thinking about it, you've got to put healthy stuff in. Make sense? We understand in every other area of life, it's the same thing biblically. Okay, so, all right, let's get practical. So let's say that I have a habit of, um, I don't do this. Well, let's say I have a habit of putting my wife down. I don't do this. I said I don't do this. You know, so don't get all nervous on me. Uh, but let's say that's my problem, okay? And I decide, you know what, I need to change that. That's not, that's not right. I shouldn't do that. The Bible says I shouldn't do that. So I'm not going to do that. So 
I'm going to put off the idea. I'm going, to ch- I'm going to change my behavior in putting my wife down. I'm going to think about it differently. I'm going to realize that she's a human being of great value, one of God's creations, God's daughter, so therefore I need to speak well of her and to her. But then I don't say anything. I just stop talking. No. Now I have to replace that with, so I stand up and I go, okay, every day I'm going to try to say something kind to my wife about what I value about her. So instead of putting her down, I'm now changing my my thinking and I am now going, honey, you know, I just want you to know, you are the most awesome gift that God has ever given me next to my salvation. You could not be a more perfect match for me And I say things like that every day. It's interesting, I skipped over it, but he talks about the idea that as as we put on things of Christ and righteousness and holiness, I I, I start living, I start doing the right things, righteousness. And wholeness has the idea of being different, but also has the idea of whole living, a whole life package kind of thing. All of a sudden now what happens when I start doing that? My marriage starts to become what God intended it to become. Because every day I get up, I'm, I'm trying to build my wife up. Instead of put her down. Instead of being critical. And, and you start to do that, and what happens is, as you put things off and change your thinking and put things on, you start to find a life of wholeness, a life of right living as God intended you to live. That's what Paul's talking about. And I want to challenge you because some of you just need to step back and you need to ask yourself, all right, let's take some time, look at my life and ask myself, what's one thing I need to put off? You know, we've all got 10, 20 things we could choose, but just pick one. Pick one thing this week that you can work on to put off. Pick one thing that you're going to say, I'm going to find out what God says about that. I mean, there is Google. I mean, man, you know what you can do, you know... Um, don't get upset with me, but, you know, Alexa, what are the Bible verses about? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I've never tried this with Alexa. For all I know, she'll go, Bible verses? What's a Bible? Uh, I don't know what she's going to say. Um, but, you know, yeah, there's so many resources out there for you to find out what God wants you to do about a certain thing. And they say, okay, this is what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to start changing. We're getting specifics in the weeks ahead, but right now, I just want you to start thinking about it. Again, it may not be something that's sin. It may just be something that's slowing you down. Put off. Change your thinking. Put on. By the way, let me just throw this out there for some of you. There is a specific order here. Okay? Because I have a lot of people that look at it and they go, well, you know, I'm not going to do it until I'm sincere. It doesn't say change your thinking first. It says start by getting rid of it. There's an action put off. Renew your mind. Think differently about it. Then put on. If you wait until you feel like it, you're never going to feel like it. Put off. I'm being mean to this person. I'm holding a grudge against this person. Put it off. Okay, I'm not going to hold it against them anymore. Change my thinking. God, what do you say about it? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. Second command is love thy neighbor as thyself. You need to show love to that person. What do I do? 
I replace my anger, bitterness, hatred, animosity, whatever it is, and I'm going to be loving towards them. Again, don't just put it off. Don't just change your thinking. You've got to do something, put it on. So I jot them a note and say, hey, look, I know we've had a lot of hard times, but I just want you to know I do appreciate you. Oh, I can't do that. Put off, change thinking, put on. I'm going to wait until I feel it and I can write it with sincerity. Here's what I've found in my life. Feelings usually follow actions. There are a lot of things that I started doing because God said to do it. The feeling came later. You know, and and, and I want to stress that because I think we get this backwards sometimes. So my challenge to you this week is to sit back and go, okay, all right, Lord, if I'm going to grow, if I'm going to mature, I'm going to be the kind of person that I need to be, I want you to speak to my heart and tell me one thing I need to put off. And I'm going to go figure out what you say about it, and then I'm going to go figure out something to do about it to replace with it. And watch what happens in your life as you start to grow. Because all of a sudden, this vague Christianity, I'm just a Christian going to heaven thing, all of a sudden it starts to take on a new meaning, a new purpose. And here's what you'll find. You'll start to find a whole completeness of life and a right way to live as God intended you to live. And you won't experience some of the consequences that you experience if you don't. So I close with this. As believers, we're to think and act differently from the world. That requires constantly putting off the old way of thinking and acting. Instead, we act differently, we put on a new man. We display God's workmanship in our lives. We walk as people of the way, representing God's truth as we live. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Uh, Lord, Lord, we've all got stuff that's in the way. Lord, we've all got things that we know are not helping us, but we just continue. So, so Lord, may this be a week that we start to make some progress, that we start to get rid of some things that are hindering our walk. May this be the week, Lord, that we start working together and, and, and really working and, and changing our thinking and the way we approach things. In the end, Lord, May people see a difference because we are doing it differently. Because we are doing it the way you have told us to do it. So uh, use us, Lord. And um, when it's all said and done, Lord, draw us closer to you and uh, closer to one another. These things we ask in your name. Amen.